This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Uh, hey, everyone. Just a reminder to tell Joe's mom she looks like she lost weight because I accidentally parked on the grass again. Hey, guys. Mics are hot. Quiet on the set. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and this crazy calendar that Joe's mom bought me says it's National Kool-Aid Day. So we're drinking all the Kool-Aid on making more money. Need some extra income? What side hustles are worth your time? And why not just get better at your day job? We're going to stir up this topic with our guest of honor, the sugar on today's episode. You might call him our sugar daddy from the Fi Show. It's Cody Berman. Plus, the woman who puts the hustle in the side hustle, all a pet. And the guy who's the lime flavor on... There is no lime Kool-Aid. Why it is we... awesome. Lime flavor is incredible. No, sorry. That's incorrect. Anyway, we got OG, but that's not all. I've been breaking down walls like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. And with my trivia question, today's no exception. We'll see if I can stump our panel with some Kool-Aid themed trivia. And now a guy who's going to help you yell, hey, side hustle. It's Joe Saul Hi. Hey there, Stackers. Happy Friday to you. And I'm so excited about today's show because we are going to help you make more money. Well, I hope you're as happy as a sugared up teenager when you hear this episode. And let's start off with a guy across the card table from me, Mr. OG's here. You're a big Kool-Aid fan, right? <laughs> Uh, no, no flavored sugar for me. Pause. Big, big, no. big, long pause. Paula Pant is here from Afford Anything. I have a, I actually have a different question for you, Paula. Now I know you grew mm -hmm. up in Cincinnati, right? That's lived, true. Lived here your whole life, but you talk a lot about your relatives back in Nepal. Is mm -hmm. Kool-Aid an international thing or is it just a U.S. thing? It is uh, not, it's certainly not in Nepal. So there's there's no Kool-Aid in Nepal. We're not drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, one drink that is popular there is Fanta. 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 Yes. Fanta, the orange Fanta. Orange Fanta. Fanta. Oh, yum. Delicious. And which, the, which makes Kool-Aid seem and taste sugar-free. <laughs> Basically. There's also Tang. Tang is very popular there as well. Didn't Tang go extinct well, yeah. in like 1989? Here, Tang, yeah. is, Tang is still big, huh? 
Yes, Chang's wow. still big, or at least it was as of uh, 10 years ago. Our special guest here, Cody Berman from The Fi Show is here. Cody, do you even know what Tang is? I honestly don't know. <laughs> am I old? Am I the, do you guys associate Tang with astronauts? I always associate Tang with astronauts. Remember that whole stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Doug and I. Yeah. Cody, we're separated by only a year or two or maybe 25 years in age. Is, is Kool-Aid still as big for today's youth as it was when Utes. I was a kid? Youths. It was pretty big growing up. We had those Kool-Aid with the twist off tops. It kind of looks like the little spinny things that come off a maple tree. I don't know if you guys had that style of Kool-Aid. Oh, you had the powder that you actually had to manually mix in. Pack it with spoiled. sugar, brother. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cody's like, our our generation, we can't be bothered with all that stirring and adding. <laughs> I just need to twist a top and get that goodness in me. Well, talking about That's getting it. the goodness in us, we've got a great show today. If you're looking for extra ways to make money, our friend Nick Loper at Side Hustle Nation wrote a great piece that's the inspiration for today. Plus we have Cody Berman here who Cody, you do a whole course about side hustles and about making money on the side. Yeah. I have tried every side hustle under the sun. I've definitely done some of the not so hot ones in this list, but I've also, you know, I'm a friend of Nick as well. A lot of good ones in this list. So I'm really excited to dive in today and actually talk about side hustles that are worth people's time. But let's talk about what you do because you and your friend, Julie, you guys have a project together that helps people make money on the side, right? Yeah. So that what you're talking about is our e-printables course. Basically, we teach people how to create and sell digital products online on places like Etsy, Shopify, your own website. And, you know, we're going to get into why you know digital products, in my opinion, are much better than physical products because you don't have to deal with the inventory, packaging, shipping. It's a super scalable model. And I think that's going to be a theme today is talking about scaling, how you can scale your time, your money your assets, like being able to outsource and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's basically what we do and what we teach in a nutshell with that flagship course. Man, I'm excited. We got Cody here. We got Paula here. We got OG. We got Doug. But before all that, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. We're talking side hustles, so let's get this party started, shall we? 
This piece, as I mentioned earlier, comes to us from uh, Side Hustle Nation. Uh, Nick Loper, as uh, we said earlier, wrote this piece. He says, the side hustles become more common and perhaps necessary. Let's take a look at some of the most popular options and what you might consider doing instead. And actually, before we get to his list of side hustles, I want to ask you guys a little bit about why this is even relevant. Like, why should we be thinking about side hustles? And Cody, let's start with you because you already kind of foreshadowed this question. Why do you think the average person needs a side hustle? Like, why not just focus on your main job? I'm going to caveat everything I say today with, if you can make way more money in your main job, let's say you're in like a sales role and you just want to give it your all. And like, you can make an extra hundred grand this year by just going all in, getting a bunch of sales commissions, do that. It might not be worth your time starting a freelance writing gig or creating a podcast. Although, you know, I'm a huge advocate for that stuff. I do see the day jobbers who are like- tons of money. <laughs> at least a hundred thousand dollars per 12 years of doing it <laughs> at least yeah so i want to caveat everything with there are scenarios where i'm like a side hustle might not make sense maybe you just want to lean into that full-time job and you know make as much money as possible and just buy assets that are going to pay you into the future but the reason why i'm so gung-ho about side hustles is the only reason i was able to quit my corporate job Back in 2019, the beginning of 2019 was because I was side hustling because I figured out all these different cool ways to make income streams. And quite honestly, the first $5 you make on your own as a side hustler just feels so much better than, you know, a $2,000 check from an employer. That's just something that hits different about side hustle money because, you know, you kind of made it yourself to your money. You work your own hours. You do your own thing. How old were you in 2019? I was... Wow, I love how I don't know this off the top of my head. Minus three, Cody. It's minus three. <laughs> 22. <laughs> I'm 26 now. I was 22. Yeah. At the, when I quit my job right at the beginning of 2019. Right at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. I'm going to say that's minus four, but that's fine. That's all right. <laughs> Paula, do you agree with Cody about the main job, about maybe focus all your mm -hmm. energy on the main job, but if not, um, going crazy on side hustle is a good thing? Yes, absolutely. If you are an anesthesiologist, it doesn't make sense to be selling candles on Etsy. The only reason that you would do that would be for the joy of it, not for the income of it. Wait a minute. If so, you're an anesthesiologist, would selling candles on Etsy put you to sleep? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, that's, there's a bit of a dad joke in there. A little really? bit of a dad joke in there. Yeah, I maybe, hear it. Maybe. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so I absolutely agree. Depending on the profession that you're in, it may be a better use of your time to focus all your effort on your main job and just concentrate there because that might be where you could reap the highest rewards. But a lot of people are in industries or occupations where that's just not really an option. Uh, I used to be in a print newspaper reporter back in the day. And uh, no matter how hard I worked at writing better news stories, I wasn't going to be making bigger money there. You know, even the highest paid people at that newspaper were not really making that much. So going the freelance route was a uh, much more lucrative for me. It's funny. I, I used to agree with you guys, but I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. I think a side hustle is good for everybody. I think it increases your competence at your main job. Even if it has nothing to do with your main job, the synapses connect in these weird ways so that you're able to get more. I mean, maybe anesthesiology, you like pick the one thing where I'm like, eh, well, maybe not. Uh, but, but I, I mean, I don't want to be reading a manual about how to put, uh, you know, stuff from China together while I'm also putting a drug into somebody's bloodstream that might not be good, but I think for everybody else, I think there's a lot of these 
non-correlating that we wouldn't think are correlations, Paula, that really make sense. Sure. You know, that reminds me of the book Originals by Adam Grant, where he talks about how some of the most innovative leaders, CEOs, um, you know, just accomplished people have hobbies or interests that are completely divergent from what they do for work. And so, you know, you'll have the head of a a science lab um, and they do in their day job, they're doing a really rigorous molecular biology, but they also play the violin or they do improv comedy. And by virtue of having that interest, that hobby, that passion that seems completely unrelated to their job, it allows their brain to, to stretch in new ways and often fuels the insight, the creativity that comes into their work. So I certainly think in terms of the synapses firing, as you were talking about, Joe, there is a lot of value to doing something that is outside of the scope of your main job. It's just that you don't necessarily have to monetize that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great as a hobby. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gee, but this idea of time, right? There's only so much time in the day. Like, I think a lot of people hearing this are going, how do I juggle my time so I can fit in a side hustle? Well, let the record reflect that I was going to agree with you. And you're like, I, I think everybody has. I'm like, That's what I was going to say, Joe. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that. <laughs> you called me, then I would have said it. And then you'd been like, woo, bros. And we would have high-fived. It would have been great. But, um, you know, the we, time we thing can. is just. I think we just did, didn't we? Didn't we just like, hey, here we go. Yeah, virtual high five. There we go. uh, The whole time thing I always find is somewhat comical because like quite literally everyone has the same amount of time. And, you know, you see people who are very, I don't know, physically fit and still succeed at their sales job. And you're like, well, that must not be pot. Like I can't go to the gym, eat well and sell a million dollars worth of stuff. You know, in my job, it's like, well, Bill does. Well, yeah, that's just Bill, but I can't do this. Like, well, he does. Like, it's doable, you know? So I'm with you. I think that you should have some other thing that you do because if you're working full time, you know, what are you working 40 hours a week? Like, what are you doing with the other 120 some odd hours? It's, that's a lot of time to do nothing, you know? So you might as well have something to do. And God forbid that thing actually makes money that can either further your your career or further your interests or further, you know, your, you know, brain elasticity or whatever it's called, you know, that they have, where it's just like, you know, I think it would be very bad to spend 122 hours sleeping and eating and watching TV. I think you just depressed a hell of a lot of people. That sounds delightful. What are you doing with the other 120 hours? You loser. You lazy SOB. (laughs) Get off your butt yeah. and get a side hustle. Come take, on. Take, out, take out 60 hours for sleeping and, you know, and, uh, you know, now what are you doing? You still have another 40. But I think what Paula was saying, though, it, it doesn't have to be a th- second job. You know, it's like some people need to, right? I mean, like there's circumstances you just need to be working two jobs. But if you have the flexibility in your life to not do not have it be a second job, then, yeah, you should do stuff that you like. I mean, this isn't my main job. I would, I don't know that I would consider podcasts a side hustle. I mean, it's kind of sort of a full-time gig for some you. Some of us I are know, hustling. Joe. Yeah. Some of us are hustling. <laughs> like, we, some of us show up one minute before the thing's going to start <laughs> and hit record and like, let's do it. The if, talent's here. If, if by one minute before means nine minutes after. 
<laughs> and the answer is <laughs> yes, absolutely. I do like what Leonidas right. uh, uh, review says. I still struggle with that word, guys. Uh, careful yes. not to get burnt out on your wins? hobby because you're worried too much about making income with it, which is exactly like, oh, gee, what you're saying. Uh, d- d- don't worry so much yeah. about income as about uh, yeah. have as fun. About- Just go go have fun and do stuff. You know, like do, and and whatever it is that you like to do, there's a way probably to make money doing it. What's this? Uh, Wes Moss. Remember, we had him on the show. Wes has his book, uh, What the Happiest Retirees Know, and says the happiest retiree has five hobbies on top of their job, has five things. So that when they retire, you see these people that are lost when they get into retirement. The happiest retirees are not. They walk into retirement and the job goes away, and now they fill it in automatically with these other exciting things they're doing. That's exactly right. You need yes. a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Hey, yes. Bef- and before we get to our solutions, I want to ask you guys personally, like side hustles in your life, like what is side hustling Cody allowed you to do that you wouldn't have been able to do if you hadn't had a side hustle? Well, I mean, like I mentioned before, being able to quit my corporate job was pretty well, amazing. There's was- the big one. Right. <laughs> That was, that was awesome. And at the time I was doing all, and I'll probably define these. We'll talk about it more. I was doing basically all active side hustles at that time. So I was trading my time for money, like a lot. And I, I had an extra time in my hands. Like you were saying, I had those extra hours during the week. I was spending like probably 40 hours doing side hustles while I was working my corporate job, sometimes while I was at work too. But that allowed me to, you know, then up and leave that corporate job when I started making like $1,200 a month. Cause that's all my expenses were. I was straight out of college. I was living like a dirt bag. Like I was eating the cheapest food possible. I was barely going out, still the same car that I was driving in high school. So for me, you know, focusing on those active side hustles, cause I don't want to knock them too much, even though I am going to knock them today, focusing on those, you know, trade your time for money. Side hustles really helped me get to a point where I could just focus completely on entrepreneurship and go and try and do my own thing. Since then I've you know, kind of made a pivot to more passive side hustles, scalable side hustles, like a lot of the ones we're going to talk about from the article today. But yeah, man, those, uh, I mean, no matter how you swing it, a side hustle can help you, whether it's, you know, emotionally, if you don't, if you just want to kind of do it as like a really hobby type of thing, or if you're doing active side hustles to quit the toxic job, or if you want to become financially independent and build passive income streams with different side hustles. Paula, side hustles for you. How, what's that added to your life? Oh, um, it's added immensely. So basically, once I quit my newspaper reporting job, everything that I've done has been a side hustle that eventually blew up, sometimes purposely, sometimes not into my my main thing. And so after I quit the newspaper, I was a freelance writer that eventually escalated to running a a content management agency, which is one thing that they talk about in in the article that we're going to discuss you know, I was a freelance writer. I ran a content marketing and management agency. I started blogging that transitioned into podcasting. I own rental real estate. Basically all my entire career is just this smorgasbord of side hustles that have grown into trying new stuff and going, exactly. I'm okay with that. I've made a few bucks doing that, or I'm good at this, or I enjoy that, or I don't enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, OG, what about for you? Uh, well, um, I have a, one major side hustle that I don't really spend a lot of time talking about, but I enjoy it. And it's got a lot of great characteristics to the work that I do every day. It involves communication. It involves being somewhat uh, <laughs> uh, knowledgeable about specific things. You've got making have, unpopular decisions, making unpopular decisions, you know, not being stressed out when things are getting intense. 
there's a little bit of physicality involved. So, so trying to maintain some level of fitness, I think there's just a lot of, a lot of those things. And it happens to be a thing I like a whole bunch. So it's just a really great combo, but um, I'm really trying to work on trying to make golf be a side hustle. Cause I used to like golf a lot, but then I started playing with Doug and now I'm sucking at golf again. And um, I am infectious. It, uh, it's just, it's not really, it's not really going the direction. I, I still think there's time for me to make the senior tour. I've got about five years to qualify. So Cody, you were doing or do a uh, disc golf company, right? I was, yeah, that's kind of not non-existent at this point, but I have just completely shifted my focus on that other stuff. And yes. this kind of goes back to the scalability thing. Having a physical product business, if you don't have the right systems, even if you do have the right systems, kind of sucks. Like being able to deliver digital knowledge, whether it's courses or eBooks or just social media, there's so many better ways than physically shipping products to people nowadays. If you're a small business, like a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, of course, these big companies have huge teams and systems where it's not a pain in the butt, but everyone I've talked to that doesn't have like the best systems ever. And they're like, you know, the perfect drop shipper, everyone has issues when it comes to physical products. So I've kind of since scaled myself out of that business. It's still running, but um, my, all my attention is on other places. I just started, I brought it up because these guys are talking about golf and Cheryl and I just started getting into disc golf and I oh, thought nice. about you immediately and um, well, we'll come play <laughs> and, I, and I'm horrible at it, but it sure is fun and talk about something that's therapeutic, but it's going to be a long time. OG till that becomes a side hustle. I'm not hustling anybody. I'll be are the clubs cheaper in disc golf yes. than they are in ball yes. golf. Yes. Way cheaper. Way, way, way. Unbelievably <laughs> cheaper. So, so damn cheap and fun. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey, uh, before we talk about the best things to do with side hustles, and we're going to do all that after our trivia break, before the trivia break, I want to talk about mistakes in side hustling and what you guys see are really a mistake. Uh, Nick talks about five side hustles. I don't want to just talk about his. I want you guys to dive into whichever one's you really like or ones that you dislike that we're going to start with. But the five that he says are the most popular things people get into. Number one is freelancing. That's the biggest side hustle. Number two is surveys. Number three is blogging. Number four is real estate. Number five is MLMs, multi-level marketing. So Cody, while we have you in the spotlight right now, mistakes, things people shouldn't do when it comes to side hustles. I think the one main thing people do, if they do want a successful side hustle, is they give up way too fast and they think they're going to make like a boatload of money. I know we talked about this earlier. You, know, you start a blog, you're not going to be making five figures a month within month two. Like this, this is not going to happen. It's a long game. A lot of these are long games. Podcasting. I mean, surveys aren't exactly scalable at all. But if you're going to, you know, complete surveys instead of watching Netflix, sure. I think a lot of people just kind of are too short-sighted when it comes to side hustles, whether that's how the amount of time that they're putting into it trying to make it successful or the amount of money that they think they're going to get from that side hustle and not thinking with scale in mind, like I was talking about before, not thinking with systems and processes. How can I actually build this into a business? I know Paula was just mentioning all of her current business ventures are side hustles that she just tripped into an actual business. Now she you know, hires people. She has systems, processes, SOPs. I think that's where a lot of people get side hustles wrong is they, they don't systematize. They you know spend time on the wrong things and they end up getting burnt out and giving up. Some of these businesses, though, these side hustle things that you can do, Cody, the business is already built for you. Like if you're going to drive for Uber, or for Lyft, those things. Are you saying then because those can't really transition to something that you own that you're not a fan of those? I am not a fan of those. 
we'll go back to the active versus passive. The examples you just gave are active side hustles. You're always going to be trading your time for money if you're driving for Uber. It's great if you need the extra cash. If you need that to quit your job, fine. But that's not something where you can like build a business out of it. You know, you can't outsource the driving to someone else and like, you know, get the margin above what you pay them and what they charge the the people getting the rides. It just doesn't work like that. Like those, which is which is actually know, those- funny because those people in Silicon Valley are doing it to you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're making the money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So yeah, that's my beef with active side hustles is people do them for far too long without an exit plan. And then, you know, they find themselves driving for Uber for 20 years and feeling burnt out because they're doing it you know, 12 hours a day. And they thought that was going to be living the dream because they quit their day job, but they didn't have like an exit strategy. They didn't have any kind of a scalable model to make it semi-passive or completely passive. Cody talking OG about uh, people thinking they make money quickly. Boy, there's one on here that everybody thinks on Nick's list that everybody thinks they're going to make money hand over fist right away. It's that one at the bottom fifth, most popular multi-level marketing. Oh, I thought you were going to go real estate. Well, well, you're right. Real estate too. But I think even more than real estate, multi-level marketing, don't you? Yeah. It's any sort of entrepreneurial endeavor. And I'm with Cody on this one, even with the MLM type stuff, there's a lot of trading time for money, especially early on. Eventually, you know, you've built your Downline. tribe, clan, whatever they call it. <laughs> yes. What is it called when you Group have one, downline. one leader and there's like all these followers and you guys all go to the same church? Lemmings. Cult. Oh, cult. <laughs> yes, that's it. Funny lemmings or cult, lemmings, whatever. But there's some good ones, right? But nevertheless, it takes so much energy and effort up front that probably most people fizzle away before they get to the point. I know two people who are wildly successful at this. In fact, one of them, their whole business model went away. Like it was whatever, you know, whatever the product was went away. Like the company folded and I was like, Oh, I'll be interested to see what she does with her life after this is gone. And like within two months, it was like, I'm at this place and I'm at the, the Bahamas trip because I've got like the number two team in the country all of a sudden, you know, but that stuff doesn't happen immediately. And that's true about every entrepreneurial endeavor. I mean, short of just some miraculous thing happening to you early on in your career, it's like, it takes a long time to build up the systems and the process and the people to, to be able to go, Hey, I work five hours a month and this thing does it for me. And that's true about real estate too. It's funny you say that because I don't think the MLMs are the devil that a lot of people think that they are. I think the way they're sold to people as doing something for nothing is the devil. I think these people that are peddling uh, the fact that you can put your feet up and make money and do absolutely nothing ever is is bad. I do like what Cody's talking about, which I'm sure that in the second half we're going to have strategies on, which are passive ways to build an engine that continually runs and you just add fuel from time to time. I like that, but MLM's not that thing. It's not that thing. What's Certainly it, not early. No, it, no, agreed, right. Paula, uh, another mistake people make when they start a side hustle? Well, I think in terms of mistakes people make, I think the the discussion that we've been having about the distinction between gig economy work, you know, active versus passive, I think that's an important one to think through. The other is the urgency versus like the immediacy of obtaining money versus the long-term payout uh, that a person could obtain. I think people often fail to think through that. And then yet another thing is the relationship between effort and magnitude in terms of what 
that side hustle can do for you. Yeah. Thinking along each of those dimensions when deciding upfront what type of side hustle you want, like those are all important dimensions to think through. But people often start with, they start with product rather than with framework. And so they'll jump to, should I drive for Uber? Rather than let me think through all of these different dimensions and then try to figure out what array of side hustles wow. fits that dimensional criteria. It's almost the same as choosing an investment. A lot of people are like, should I invest in X? When instead mm -hmm. it's what's my time frame, what's my risk tolerance and all this stuff. And then I narrow it down to the commodity at the bottom. Uh, right. The second half of this, get we're going to transition from why a side hustle, why not your main job, mistakes people make. We're going to talk about our favorite things in side hustles and tips to make you side hustle better. But before that, we have a segment of this show where we challenge our frequent contributors, Paula OG and Len Penzo, who has a day off. So Cody Berman, you're playing the part of Len Penzo today, and it's a year-long trivia competition for maybe maybe the worst trophy in all of, uh, all of pro sports. I don't, is this a pro sport? It's probably an amateur sport. I would imagine. I should get the trophy and put it in the background. So you guys can all just see, see what it looks just, like. Just how dollar store this, this trophy is. But, uh, Cody, I've got good news and bad news for you about playing for Len Penzo. Uh, which one do you want first? Give me the bad news, Joe. Well, the bad news is, is Len is often winning this competition, but you're only in second. So OG has 12 and a half points because he tied with Paula one time. Uh, Len has 10 and Paula with six and a half, just waiting for the last three months. I did not do that. I'm just going to tell you guys that was not me. That was the the bragger up front, Mr. OG. Doing, I don't know. Doing that, I would not do that. So the good news is you get to go second today because OG has to lead us off. But before we, we should uh, I peg it exactly on the number again, like, like last week? Last, oh, that was horrible. Here we go. Uh, and I knew it was. I knew it was right, and I still even tried to like help with the radio. Be like, I'm not sure, but I really feel like it's. Well, let's see if we made it more obscure this time, Doug. Uh, He's not getting this one. We'll see. He Whoops. Uh, why don't I play the right music? I love you doing want me to just live. wrap up the show right now. Here, Joe? Here, I can yeah. give you credit if you that's, want. That's what I was trying to do. Apparently my thumb was <laughs> let's do this. There we go. Hey there. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, well, I've been trying out this national Kool-Aid day, uh, trying to sample all of the different drinks. Let me take a quick sip right here. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, what a blast from the past. I mean, have you had Kool-Aid recently? I actually can't figure out why people aren't all over this delightful liquid. First, it's incredibly simple. You grab a pitcher of super cold water, then place this little tiny packet of food coloring in there from this tiny little pouch, and then bam, just pretty much dump a pound of sugar in. I mean, what is not to like? They say Dennis may get mad, but I've got three reasons why Dennis should love Kool-Aid. First, what, what dentist doesn't enjoy filling a cavity or like six? B, with the cherry coloring, it's easy to see where people aren't brushing enough. And Trey, talk about side hustles. Dentists everywhere should be peddling this stuff. But since today we have a cherry colored love affair with Kool-Aid, let's and over your trivia question, shall we? 
talk about side hustles. Kool-Aid was created by chemist Edwin Perkins in 1927 as an add-on sale to the medicines and household products he sold door to door. What's better than getting your anti-ADD meds and a big <laughs> dose of sugar water all at once? <laughs> talk about creating residual sales. Perkins created Kool-Aid because he was inspired by a sugary near liquid jello today there are over 60 flavors of jello on sale but then well that's our trivia question how many flavors of jello were for sale in 1927 oh gee i'll be back with the answer right after i go mix another batch of this strawberry flavored goodness nom, 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 nom. i love the resigned uh, shake of his head that cody bourbon had there <laughs> like Kool-Aid and their Jello in 1927. Are you kidding me? Yes. Uh, that was um, the year before Len Penzo was born, by the way. True story. Uh, Mr. OG, you're kicking this off. So just to clarify, there wasn't a uh, misread there. We are searching for number of flavors sold for Jello, Jello. in 1927. It took you all the way down the Kool-Aid road and then did a little switcheroo on you. Okay. And presently, there are 60. There are 60. Or thereabouts. Ish. So how many flavors of Jello were there? That's what we're looking for. How many flavors? Yes. In 1927. Different, different types. Okay. In 1927. And did, did we get the info on when Jello started? Not relevant. Well, is relevant. It's if not. you're trying to guess, we just want to know one moment in time, 1927. No, but if Jello started also in 1927, then they wouldn't have had as many. Then you know, if they started in 1782, if he was inspired by Jello, I would think it'd been around for a little while. It had been around a little bit, yeah. yeah okay. All of the contestants are working with the same base of information. OG, I'm not giving you any. Sure I didn't miss anything. Your freaking word salad is so hard to follow. Sometimes it's like just. <laughs> Give it to me, man. You might this. need some uh, ADD meds that you can wash down with Kool-Aid. <laughs> Doug the, needs it. It's the it's circle. Like bouncing all over. The circle of life, Paula. It's the circle of life. I'm going to say that the uh, that the grand total of flavors sold for Jello in 1927 was six. Six, flavors. he says. Uh, Cody. We go from 60 all the way down to six. What do you think? I just don't want to get beat out by Paula going one higher, one lower. So I got to be strategic here. <laughs> so Cody's, it's not his first rodeo here. You know me well. All right. With the theme of the jokes, the beginning of the episode, I'm going to go with nine. <laughs> and that's how the bourbon well plays done. right there skillful my friend so paula you've got Clever. six and nine what are you thinking honestly when i first heard the question six was the first number that popped into my head but i'm going to err on the side of under so i'm gonna guess five it's going to go with even fewer flavors. Wow. So we go from 60 to five, six, and nine. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, we will, when, when Doc G was with us, when we were talking about this, he thought the number was 75. Of course, he always guesses 3 million when he the answer is seven. three. There was, there was 90% more than they have now. Well, they, they have more and they cut back. I think they sold a lot of Jello back then. And uh, when's the last time you had Jello? Anybody? I have children, so it's a, Yesterday. It's a staple. <laughs> An hour ago, right? I would love to share who's going to win this thing, but uh, we don't play that way. We'll be right back. If you're making your to-do list for the weekend, well, becoming a member at Navy Federal, I think you should put on your to-do list because being a member at Navy Federal Credit Union lets you experience more from everyday commutes to your next big vacation. If you're paying your credit cards off in full every month, stackers like you should, the flagship credit card earns you three times the points on travel so you can get rewarded for wherever you're headed next. Plus, the premium travel card is a low annual fee of $49 and two times the points on all purchases outside of travel, meaning the rewards don't have to end even when the vacation does. And to be clear, it's going to pay rewards either way. You just don't want to play the reward game until you're paying your cards off every month. You're paying for rewards if you're paying interest. Make sure you get that habit. And then the flagship credit card is a great way to go. Speaking of rewards, Something that's rewarding is smoothing out this horrible experience of buying a car in normal days and right now super expensive, isn't it? Trying to buy a car. Well, something that's easy. If you can't pay cash for a car, you can get a Navy Federal Auto Loan and reward yourself with a smoother new car experience. Applying's easy. You can do it on their mobile app, online, or by phone, and it's so fast you'll get a decision in seconds. Navy Federal's great rates on auto loans, plus with their car buying service powered by True Car. You can shop, compare, and get upfront pricing on your next new or used car. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. Flagship rates are variable and range between 10.74 to 18% APR based on creditworthiness. ATM fees for crash advances. Crash advances? Don't want to do that. Let's go with cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. That's better. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money, and it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, we're able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now... Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. And we're back. 
OG, you started uh, this thing off with six. Why, why did you anchor at 10% of the original number? Yeah, it had nothing to do with that. I was thinking there's like cherry, orange, lime, lemon, probably raspberry, and then I don't black licorice. I don't freaking know. I just, just I was just trying to I was trying to think of the colors of the rainbow and be like, well, there's probably strawberry. There's probably probably an orange, probably a lemon, probably a lime. I don't know if grape was a flavor back then. I don't know. I just I was making it up. They didn't have grapes in the twenties. <laughs> They had grapes in the twenties, but I don't know a fake grape flavor. Are you certainly you're aware that grape flavored, you know, whatever does not taste like grapes. Cody, did you go, did you go uh, higher because you thought that that's a ridiculously low number or just for the, the thrill of saying nine after six. <laughs> it's a combo, but I thought there was less than 10. So I want to be as close to 10 as possible. So if Paula said 10, then hopefully it was like seven or eight. That yeah. was my logic there. Well, and Paula, you drank all the Kool-Aid about less and went even smaller at five. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Drinking the Kool-Aid. But, but my thought process was similar. I was imagining Kool-Aid at the grocery store and how there are just a few dominant flavors. You know, there, there may be 60 flavors sold today, but cherry, strawberry, Same lemon lime. process that uh, OG had. Yeah. There, there are a couple of like very, very common standouts. So, well, we'll see with 60 now. I mean, it's, it's amazing that many flavors. Doug's got the answer though. Let's see who's right. Is OG pulling further ahead? Is Paula finally getting her butt in this game? Is Cody going to take his 69 joke all the way to the bank? Stackers, I'm flavored beverage taste tester and one man wall wrecking crew, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, Kool-Aid really nailed it over the years with product marketing. During the Great Depression, the inventor Edwin Perkins lowered the price from 10 cents to five so that more people could buy it, creating an instant hit. The Kool-Aid man busted onto the scene in the 1950s as, and has been a staple ever since, appearing in not one, but two video games, proving that big men can still rock the tights. Kool-Aid has now saturated our culture. I mean, Kurt Cobain rocked the world while dyeing his hair with Kool-Aid, and sadly, a whole bunch of people hoping to catch a comet to heaven helped us all coin the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid when committing themselves to something not all that great. But while drinking the Kool-Aid may be a bad thing, Kool-Aid dosed pickles are a delicious question mark Southern treat that believers call coolicles, which is interesting because pretty sure I heard OG trying to convince Mrs. OG that she should call his toes coolicles. But our question today, Kool-Aid was inspired by Jell-O. And with over 60 flavors now, how many flavors of Jell-O were there back in 1927? The answer, there were a whopping 69. No, I'm kidding. There were a whopping <laughs> six delicious flavors making Cody our winner because I refuse to it's admit unbelievable. that OG nailed it two weeks Twice in a row. Twice in a so row. I'm, just, I'm declaring Cody the winner. There's no way it can be OG. Twice in a row, he calls the shot wow. right out of the gate. Wow. 
When he said, we literally, Doug, we sat around going, there's no way he's got this one. There's no way he's getting this. We wow. an entire question. We put all the words in there because we know his brain can't follow all the words. <laughs> he still nailed it. Wow. It's horrible. Man. The rich get richer, Look Paula. The rich get richer. You know, and six was the first number that popped into my head. I, I even said that. Wow. Wow. Well, enough of that. Let's, uh, let's get back to our side hustle party, shall we? Still can't believe you got that, dude. It's pretty amazing. Second half of our show is brought to you by Magnify Money. You know what happens, Cody Berman, when you go to stackybedjamins.com slash magnify money? I don't. Well, guess what? You're in for a treat because those brick and mortar (laughs) banks that you go to all the time probably don't have the best in class checking accounts, saving accounts, CD rates. You can get all that more at Magnify Money. They're all ranked head to head. Over 92% of the stuff out there ranked head to head and uh, absolutely love it. StackyBenjamins.com slash Magnify Money if your bank's not treating you right, which we talked about on uh, shows earlier this week that shock of shocks, Bank of America in the news again for yet uh, doing some silliness, to put it gently. So second half of this show, we're getting back into side hustles. Cody, let's start with you. Of these four other ones, I think we dove into MLMs and that's really trading time for money. But let's talk about these other four that are on the list of the top four. Any of these four that you like from Nick's list, for, whether it's surveys, I think you already kind of said you don't like surveys, freelancing, if you like blogging, or if you like a real estate. I am a fan of all of these. I could talk about all of them. I will say, taking Nick's stance here on what to do instead he kind of talks about, you know, being the interviewer, like taking data from whatever your target audience might be. If you're someone who is launching an online course, surveying your potential buyers is an awesome way to make the best online course possible. So that's kind of a way where you can turn surveys around instead of, you know, signing up for a survey junkie or making pennies per hour. You can actually make, you know, you can multiply If you're a course salesperson, you can multiply your course sales by getting the right data. So I'm a fan of all four. We are, I think we're losing Cody a little bit. You guys also losing Cody a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I thought it maybe it was just me. I was hoping that wasn't just my internet, but Cody losing you a little bit, but I think that we got it there. That's the nature of doing this live. By the way, if you guys want to join us live, we're doing this live all summer long. We stop after September 1st. So come and join us, Stacking Benjamins, uh, on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Stacking Benjamins YouTube page. Hit the little bell so you know when we go live. We're generally here about 10 minutes after the hour on Monday. Usually it's been at 5 p.m. Eastern this week at 4 p.m. Eastern. But Paula, uh, on these, I know there's one you're a fan of, real estate you like as a side hustle. Yes, uh, I do like real estate as a side hustle. It's uh, it's different from the others on the list in that it requires more capital to begin. A lot of the other side hustles on the list, freelancing, blogging, uh, taking surveys, you, you don't need upfront cash. You, you need time, but no money. Um, real estate is a little different in that you need at least a minimum amount to be able to get started. That said, it is, especially if you're pursuing it through buy and hold, like long-term buy and hold real estate, it's an area where you can front load the workload and then set up a residual ongoing stream of income. And so to that end, it requires, you know, it requires an upfront investment of both money and time, but long-term it requires less of your time than something like blogging, for example, where the bigger that gets, just the more of your time it consumes. 
But real estate still, even though it's less time than blogging by far, do you find mm -hmm. that it? do you find that real estate's as passive as people talk about it being? So short answer, yes. I think that depends. I, and I don't want to be like semantic, but it depends on your expectations or definition of the word passive. Passive income, and I say this to my community all the time, passive income is not a euphemism for free money. I think if you swap out the word passive for residual and think of it in that same, with that same level of expectation, um, that's a more realistic and accurate descriptor of that, uh, what you can expect. Uh, OG, side hustles that you like. You've done real estate as, as well. Yeah, I, I happen to think that at least what we got ourselves involved in, and I guess maybe even just by using the phrase, what we got ourselves involved in probably... <laughs> Tells you how I lean toward the passivity of passivity. Sure. Of real estate. I mean, I don't think that it's passive in a sense that you don't have to do anything, Paul. And I think what you said is really great. It's not, it's not free or effortless, right? It's you still have to put some work into it, but like Cody's talking about, it's scalable. There's some energy and effort to manage one apartment building there's another energy or effort level to manage too, but it's not twice as much, you know, especially as you work through and have your team and systems and process and whatever, you know, you can go from one to two and that's a stretch and two to four is not as big a stretch and four to eight becomes a lot easier, you know, and you just kind of build it out that way. That doesn't mean you're not doing any work, but I think real estate's really quite uh, seductive because of the, uh, the, the leverage factor. I think that from a side hustle standpoint overall, anything that you find joy in doing is probably a way to turn it into some sort of way to make money. And I used golf as an example before. I'm not very good at golf, but I bet that if I sat down and thought about it, I could put together, again, to use our, our guest here as an example, it's talking about, you know, putting a course together. I bet that I could put together a course of here's all the best advice on how to putt better or something. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't know. I'm just, you know, without violating any copyrights, you know, but, you could, but I mean, you can kind of see sort of that's that I've seen that on Instagram. I've seen like buy this $99 video series for Tiger Woods showing you how to chip. Obviously Doug's never bought it. Or maybe it's just never showed up in his feed, but it exists just so you know, buddy, there's, but Tiger you know, can show you how to do it. But you know, OG, uh, uh Leonidas reviews, uh, hanging out here with us on YouTube said, uh, watch out for, you know, monetizing this too much. And it takes the joy out of it. Austin Cleon, when he was on our show talked about whenever somebody brings over cupcakes to a party, the first reaction we all have is, man, you should sell these because they're so delicious. And the second you start selling the cupcake, the joy of making the cupcake is gone. I was talking to somebody about that in board gaming. I was thinking that maybe I'd start blogging about board games because I like them so much. I talk to people that do that. They're like, I'm always playing a brand new game every other day and it drives me crazy and I hate it. There's times when I just want to have fun with my friends and I'm not doing that anymore because I get this stack of games I need to review if I'm going to keep bringing home the bacon. And it's, it's, it's horrible. So I think why you can make extra money, I think you got to be kind of careful there, don't you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're doing it for the sake of making money, I, I think you just bought yourself a different job. But if you're doing it and you happen to make money or you do it in a manner in which 
you go, Oh, I could make money doing this. Like, that's okay. You know, I don't know. Yeah. David, David fun videos is David. His first name fun. His middle name videos is his last name. Uh, David F videos says that, that, uh, I thought they meant selling real estate as a side hustle. This is interesting. Owning in part side hustle, part investment. Cody there, I would imagine you don't love that one as much because again, you're trading some time for money, but certainly being a part-time real estate agent, you might pick up some good coin doing that. Yeah. I actually have a friend who's a part-time real estate agent and I was giving her advice because she was asking like, how do I make this scalable? And it's like any other business. Once you systematize and build a process, like maybe at some point you hire an assistant. So you no longer physically have to go to your showings or you hire an assistant to do all the offer paperwork for you. Or, you know, there's all of these different roles that like you kind of just segmentize. What are the things I'm doing every day with this real estate side hustle? In this example, figure out how you can outsource it, figure out how you can systematize it so that you're not just spending hours driving back and forth across the entire state trying to buy or sell deals. There's, there's a way to basically make anything passive. It's just building the right systems and processes. So I think it's great. If you need the active income, awesome. But always think with the scale in mind so that if later on, if five years down the road, you want to have a transaction coordinator and an assistant to do showings and all that stuff, you have the systems built up. I'm imagining you when you talk about systems, just mapping it out from the beginning to the end and then giving those away like as you get busier. Literally that. I use like Google Docs. I'll just, I'll process stuff. I'll use a basically a video recording software to show me doing the thing. And, you know, maybe it's like a 15 or 20 minute video. I'll go and say, Hey, this is exactly how I do insert anything that you do. And then you give, give that to a VA a virtual assistant that you're onboarding and boom, now you have someone who knows exactly how you do it. You know, maybe you have a, some, you're texting or emailing, whatever, if they have clarifying questions, but generally they, they kind of understand, they get the gist of it. And now you just blocked off this amount of time that you used to spend doing whatever and the more people you can hire, I mean, just think about it like simple math. If you're a one man or one woman army, and let's just use an eight hour workday, for example, just you, you have eight hours in the day. If you hire five people, now you have 40 hours of labor going into whatever your mission is. As long as, you know, they're doing the right things and you've systematized and built the right processes, like you just multiply it. It's kind of like the real estate thing that OG was just talking about. It's leverage. It's leverage of time. It's leverage of other people with different skills than you and yeah. So the better you can think with scale of mind earlier on, the more successful and more passive this side hustle or this business is going to be down the road. I remember, anything. I remember a guy in the radio talking about that when I was young. He's like, if you just think about your own two hands, that's as far as you're going to get. Like think mm. about And I even started doing that when I had kids and was trying to clean the house very quickly before Cheryl came home from a long weekend. Like <laughs> in the last like three hours, I would get my kids busy first doing whatever they do. Then I'd start the dishwasher, the washing machine. I get everybody else's hands moving. And it's kind of like that. If I think if you're going to get ahead in business, think about who else is going to do this and finally get, get your own, own hands moving. Paul, he talked about systems and processes, your favorite side hustles. What are some of the magic pieces that people might want to think about to make sure they get this right, that they choose the right thing and make it work the best for them? Uh, are you talking about what systems and processes should they think about or what side hustles should they, Either. what should they think about when they're, yeah, okay. the, the, the question was um, the first, but I like the second question too. So, <laughs> well, in terms of what systems and processes first eliminate. So as you are in your side hustle, take a look at what you're doing, just inventory your week. Like one thing that Laura Vanderkam, who's uh, been a guest on both of our shows, one thing she often talks about is the importance of keeping a time diary where you, you note down in 30 minute increments, exactly what you do every hour of your day, or at least every hour of your working day. So for one week, take an inventory 
of what you do during the time in which you're working on your side hustle. And then look over it and see, ask yourself first, what can you eliminate? Like just no, not, not even talking about giving it to someone else. What is useless and you can completely eliminate it. That's number one. Number two, what can you automate? And then number three, what can you delegate? So I think that's a way of a framework for thinking through how to be more efficient and then what to build systems and processes around. Cody, I want to ask you one specific question, then, oh, gee, I need you to wrap it up talking about financial controls. But Cody, I was just on TikTok watching a video just yesterday. I thought it looked really cool as a side hustle. But you, in particular, you called this out when you talked about drop shipping and how difficult that it can be. So this is what this guy said. You go on TikTok, you do the hashtag, TikTok made me buy it. You see whatever the hot product is, you buy it from Alibaba. Like he was talking about these, uh, there's these little umbrellas people can put on books at the beach and they cost like $1.50 on Alibaba. You look at Etsy, people are selling them for $15, right? You ship them directly though, not to you. You ship them to Amazon from Alibaba to Amazon. And then you sell it through an Amazon store. You never touch it. I mean, drop shipping 101 I was telling Cheryl last night, I'm like, this sounds like it can't lose. Like what's, what's wrong with this TikToker? Cause based on what you said earlier about drop shipping can be a big nightmare. What are they not telling you? I think it's the same thing as the MLM. It's selling the dream without kind of talking about the worth that goes into it. Cause for those who don't know, drop shipping is basically getting prices for whatever product from a wholesaler or from the manufacturer at wholesale prices. And then you're going and delivering that to the end customer. So you're basically like acting as a store. If you want to become a successful dropshipper in this example, you need a way to get traffic to that store, that Amazon storefront, or you need a way to get traffic to your Shopify store. It's not easy. Like you're either using paid ads or you're creating a bunch of content about this, whatever niche thing that you're selling SEO. It's, it's a slog. Like you're not going to make yep. a ton of money right off the bat, but people sell the, you're going to make $40,000 a month if you start this tomorrow, kind of like the MLM thing. So yeah, people just kind of idolize what it could be without talking about the work that it takes to get there. Hey, hey Cody, I'm going to jump in there. There is another approach that uh, people have used on drop shipping to kind of crack that puzzle of the labor intensive side of it. And they're arbitraging through code, through software code, primarily between eBay and Amazon, hmm. but they'll write code that will go find the highest margin items they can find them on Amazon. This all, I mean, it's very laborious to write the code, but once you figure out how to do it, and there's not a lot of them giving away their secrets, but it's happening in ever increasing numbers. It finds those items on Amazon, creates a post automatically on eBay. And for those people who aren't doing a lot of price comparison, they find it on eBay and they buy it. They'll order that item from eBay and they'll get a package at their door from Amazon. And all that code does is order it from Amazon and ship it. They've never touched it and they keep the difference because they're going to charge oh, I a dollar more. Yeah. And, and they've never touched it. All they've done is written the code that will automatically go find those items and then create is. a posting on their site for a dollar more. All I got to do is write some code. That's all I got to do. It's complicated. <laughs> it's not super do. easy, but there's a lot of people doing it. Yeah, it's funny. Drew hanging out with us. He's like, that sounds really cool. But also like a lot of words. Nah. So no, no, no thanks. Yeah, it is. If it's I happened, the it's, theme I of the show. guarantee you it's happened to most of us. And sure. a lot of times you don't even pay for it or you don't even pay attention because you're ordering so much from Amazon. When an Amazon box shows up, you don't even think about it. But it happened to me one day. I'm like, wait a minute. 
pretty sure I ordered this through eBay. And then I was like, damn it, I probably could have saved a buck if I'd just gone straight to Amazon and searched for this but thing. Somebody did got it me. for you. Somebody, somebody did, it for, did it for me and they kept my buck. OG, I want to end this discussion with you because you and I have seen lots of people with their side hustle. They keep investing in it, investing in it, investing in it, right? And it sinks their financial picture. They end up in a ton of credit card debt. They've bought this yeah. entire dream. I see this happen a lot in MLMs. What are some of the financial controls we should talk about? This might be a whole separate episode, but give us two or three things people should do to make sure that they separate church and state. Well, I think that you have to recognize that you're starting a business. What, what, whatever you're doing, it's you need to start a business, operate it like a business. And what do people who are starting businesses or who are investing in businesses do? They assign a certain amount of capital to it. So if you haven't written a business plan, even if it's on a napkin, you got to write it down and have an idea of what you're trying to do. If you do that, then you're going to be able to assign some capital to how much does this thing need to get up and running? You know, is it super capital intensive, like a real estate purchase? Or is it something that I can drop ship stuff and I'm not actually going to have to sort of have a lot of capital. I just have to learn how to write code or hire somebody. You know, there's all sorts of different ways to think about that. At the end of the day, there's a certain amount of money that you're going to be willing to invest in any sort of uh, business. If your brother-in-law comes to you and says, I'm going to start an ice cream store and I think we're going to kill it. You might say, okay, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to invest a million dollars in your ice cream business. I might give you a five grand. And what does that get me? You know? And I think you have to treat it the same way. Once you've invested and kind of consumed those dollars, it's time for some really insightful accounting. You know, did, did this thing do the thing that I thought it was going to do? And am I on the right track or am I not? Don't throw good money after bad, but then also don't give up either. You know, just because you haven't made a profit on the first X dollars that you put in doesn't mean that you're not going to but you need a path toward it. You need a path toward the profitability. And I think really it all starts with kind of that business plan, that written business plan of here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what success looks like. And here are the steps that I need to take in order to kind of be on the path toward that. And if you do that, you're way ahead of the game. I think that's a great place to leave it. A book that I really like Besides, I know I mention the E-Myth all the time. It's not the one, Doug. I, I could see the look in Doug's face. He's like, oh, guys, he's talk about the E-Myth again. Too. There yes. we go. No, there's a good book called The $100 Million Offer. And I don't know if you guys have read that book, but that is fantastic. Talk about the hard part that Cody's talking about, about, okay, now you got to get traffic. If you want traffic, I think The $100 Million Offer goes into that just fantastic. Or it's $100 Million Offers. We'll have the link in our show notes page. Let's talk about what's going on where all of you guys are. OG, busy weekend this weekend. School started three days ago. So the kids are loving life. Just kidding. They're not. Uh, my daughter does. She's in first grade. But you she are. First grade. Yes. Uh, it's, you know, I, I love everybody home. I love, I love being able to do stuff with the kids year round, you know, during the summer. Um, but I also like the structure. It's a little quieter during the day. Uh, there's not the, uh, the fights going on upstairs about who's playing the Xbox and who's not. And you know, that sort of thing. Now you get but, the Xbox uh, by yourself. You get, get it the whole time. Yes, it's amazing. It's I did great. win, by the way, I played my son the other day in Madden and I beat the snot out of him <laughs> in all fairness. Um, in all fairness, I was Kansas city and he was the dolphins. That was, that was the stakes. I told me had to be the dolphins, but they suck. And so did he. And I won. And I rubbed it in his face. So I think I'll you're going to say that, that, that you were the Rams. He was the Lions. 
And there <laughs> you could go. have been that. That would have been an acceptable same, match same. also. Could have done that. Yeah. Right. Nice. We'll have our guest of honor go last. Paula Pant. What's going on at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast. So recently we had Chris Jaffe on. Uh, he is the former financial columnist for the Boston Globe. He Chuck Jaffe. Uh, was at Chuck Jaffe, yes. yes. Chuck Jaffe, our our good friend. Yes. Uh, he um he emceed uh, the Stacking Benjamin Stacked <laughs> Book Tour event in Boston. So he came on the show to talk about the fact that he's been a financial journalist for 30 or 40 years for, for many decades and to talk about what has changed over the span of those decades. So he gives us some historical perspective. And Julie Winkle Giuliani also uh, joins us on uh, the show on a recent episode to talk about managing your career and pivoting to a new career. So that, that sounds like a made up name. Podcast. That sounds like a made up yeah. name. <laughs> Julie Giuliani. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It does sound like a made up name. And by the way, uh, Chuck Jaffe is just a, what a great human being and a guy that when I was a financial planner, he was always the voice of reason. And I would have my clients read his stuff. Like when I read something, I would, I would, you know, pre-internet old guy story, <laughs> uh, you clip it out and I'd have my clients, I, I would make copies of it for my clients. So uh, yeah, Chuck Jaffe has been around a long time and man, that guy's forgotten more than a lot of people know. Uh, Mr. Berman, thank you so much. When it comes to side hustles, I think you and Julie, like just killing it on the side hustle stuff. But not only that, don't, don't tell us just where to find your course. Tell us what's going on at the Fi show. Cause it seems every time that I'm with you guys, oh, man, it's just a great time. It is always a great time. So yeah, actually, just recently, I'm trying to do some math here based on when this is coming out. Uh, we just had a whole episode on like systems and scaling and literally all the stuff we were talking about today it was a dude who built like a multi-million dollar wholesaling business, real estate, by systematizing everything. So definitely go and check that one out it's with Steve Rosenberg. And yeah, we just talk about all things financial independence, how to retire early, how to turn you know active into passive and all that good stuff over at the Fi Show. Check us out. It's awesome. We're finer podcasts are distributed. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for today. Hey, thanks to everybody for hanging out with us today on uh, YouTube. If you'd like to hang out with us while I make the show, Stacking Benjamins, uh, just put Stacking Benjamins into the search engine on YouTube and uh, hit subscribe and the little bell. And if you're with us today and you haven't done that, make sure that you get that done right now before we say goodbye. Speaking of say goodbye, I think, uh, Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Watch this. I can press the right button this time. Hey, well, Joe, first side hustles, go grab yourself one like a fresh glass of Kool-Aid with your mood. A good side hustle can really perk up your bank account and also maybe help you at your day job. Second, if the goal of your side hustle is to make a lot of money, be careful you're not choosing to do something that trades your time for money. Those hustles are difficult to scale. But the big lesson, maybe the Kool-Aid people are onto something with this whole bursting through walls thing. I mean, don't you think it'd be great for ratings if Joe's mom came crashing through every time OG started ranting about his coolicles? Really, dude, just put your shoes back on. Thanks to Cody Berman for hanging out with us today. You'll find Cody's podcast, The Fi Show, wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Oh, where have I heard that before? <laughs> Thanks to Paula Pat for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, Afford Anything, wherever you're listening to us right now. 
Thanks also to OG for joining us today. Looking for good financial planning help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG for his calendar. This show is the property of SB Podcast, LLC, copyright 2022, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential with her Powerhouse Writers Coaching Program. Find out more at powerhousewriters.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Brooke Miller juggles the production of this show, handles the show notes, and creates our amazing newsletter, The 201. You know, while raising a one-year-old. Tina Eichenberg and Gertrude Smith are our social media mavens. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Damn it, I almost made it through. Welcome, welcome to the after show. Drew says, that's my favorite part. Drew says, uh, please, please, please just make this more awkward. <laughs> just please. The uh, silence is what everybody hates. We hate it too, dude. We hate it too. Oh, we love it. Uh, uh, did this just happen, Doug? While we're recording this, uh, Olivia Newton. Um, yeah, it news, did. Like right as out. we started recording. Uh, uh, Olivia Newton, John just died. Um, Paula, do you know who Olivia Newton, John is? Yes, yes, she was in the movie Grease. She was yeah. the female protagonist in Grease. Wow, who are you? What's going on there? She played uh, Sandra D. Yes. Wow, impressive. Where has she been the whole time we've been recording this show? <laughs> I know. It's like she's got a a body double who's been here or something. <laughs> Man, uh, one of the finest movie moments of my childhood was when Sandra D came out at the end of the movie in the pants that they had to sew onto her. Oh boy. It was spectacular. That's, that's can I keep describing that moment and what it meant to me? <laughs> I think this is worse than talking about OG's coolicles. Let's go back to talking about his coolicles. Yeah. Uh, you know what I do want to talk about since we're talking about Kool-Aid. What's funny about Kool-Aid, I was watching a reel recently and there was a comedian on there and he's telling the host, the host is like, what are you drinking out of that mug? He's like, Kool-Aid. He's like, there's no way in hell you're drinking Kool-Aid. That guy's like 50 years old. So the host reaches over, grabs his mug and drinks it. Something, by the way, I would never do with any of you. I love all of you. I would never do that. Drinks Suicide. it. But he gets this look at his eye. So he goes, oh my God, you're really drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> like he is truly drinking Kool-Aid out of, out of his mug. And the host and the comedian both agreed. They're like, this is delicious. Like, this is fantastic. How come I'm not drinking Kool-Aid? Then I realized as we were talking about this, this big uh, day, Doug, that I haven't had Kool-Aid in forever. But what's another, what's another <laughs> drink you guys have had that maybe has uh, surprised you? That's one that uh, you're like, wow, can't believe I actually like that. Or maybe it's not as good as you thought. Cody? 
Is this alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Uh, you can go either way, buddy. I had a pickle juice vodka mixed drink. It was actually pretty good. <laughs> had, it wasn't like a pickleback shot. It was a mixed drink, like with ice. <laughs> pickle juice and what? Vodka. Oh, that sounds nasty. Was it called pickleback because of how awful it was? A pickleback shot is Jameson there. chased by pickle juice. That's an actual thing. That's not a cocktail, though. That's a uh, that's a tailgate favorite. <laughs> I love I love how Cody's still at the age where he can tell us the difference between the two. <laughs> no no you, idea. You know, Joe. Earlier in this episode, when you said when was the last time any of you had Jello, I almost said. I actually made some jello shots the other week. Just made some jello, yes. Just like by yourself. Paula never No, no I threw a party. Paula never well, it was knew like two there months was ago. Well, well then what that means is that when OG said his kids are a certain age so they have jello all the time, Paula's that's why your eyes open cuz you had no idea that it was four kids. You thought it was just <laughs> goes with goes with uh some shots. Goes with Everclear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Dang. That's some serious kicked shots. it up a notch, didn't it? <laughs> wow. Like, a lot of people use uh, little things like schnapps or something. Yeah. All is like, no, ever clear. Straight to the jet fuel. <laughs> Leonidas Reviews, by the way, Paula said mac and cheese milkshake the other day. Was <gasps> that good. sounds delicious. Oh, oh yes. I would God. love a mac and cheese I milkshake. That, I don't know if I'm I believe in. Paula and her praise for all things mac and cheese you're gonna need to bring one of those on the air and drink it while we can see you drinking it all right done deal deal and deal oh, you think she's okay, just okay. talking um, a good game you think she's just yes. like double daring us because she's she has like wowed at every single mac and cheese flavored thing anybody puts out there oh it's mac and cheese motor oil yeah i'll drink yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> all that's right. amazing what if uh I will look up a recipe for a mac and cheese milkshake, one that I can make at home because I'm not aware of any places around me that sell one. Um, I'm sure I, I'm sure I'm smart enough to figure it out. Like, just look up the recipe for a standard vanilla milkshake, add some mac and cheese to it. Duh. So, all right, challenge accepted. <laughs> I, do you need the mac and cheese or do, do you just need the packet? Like, you know, Kool-Aid has I mean, that little packet. I think just yeah, just the flavor packet would probably be sufficient. But, yeah. you know, a little bit of macaroni for, for texture, for you garnish. You have chunks. You have to yeah. have the chunks. Yeah, oh. it's like peanut butter. You've got the creamy, you've got the chunky. But if if I may continue on the topic of interesting drinks, so I didn't I did not realize we were going to be talking about this in the after show today, but it just so happens that immediately next to me, I have uh, two things that I often put into my, my non-alcoholic beverages. One is Propel. Um, which is just like an electrolyte substance. I use this and I also use liquid IV. And for the viewers, there it's in my hand. The other, and everyone's going to make a face at this, apple cider vinegar. It's actually really good in water. I mean, as long as you don't put too much of it in. Apple cider vinegar and lemon in water, that's what I'm drinking right now. It's funny because I drink the same thing, apple cider vinegar and water minus the apple cider vinegar. It's delicious. <laughs> yes, it's great. It's kind of a flat taste. But yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, not much. You know, Whataburger, which I went to mm -hmm. for the first time in forever. Hope that uh, Jesse from MetPro is not watching this. I was just passing by Jesse. You call it Whataburger? I call it, what is it, Whataburger? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Whataburger. There's an R. Right on the you, side. You, de you definitely have to have the R in there. Whataburger? Yeah. There's an R in the middle of it? No, there's When not. you say it. It's Whataburger. Maybe in Michigan land, brother. Oh. 
now, so you've been here less long than I've been here, and you're like, it's got to be. I don't. I, we got to be close now. After you took your hiatus back to the carpet bagger, oh. now we're having the. But now we're having the. Doesn't his clock start at zero again? Who's, I think so. Who's who's more say. Texan of the non-Texas people? Yeah, but anyway, they had a banana pudding milkshake. Banana pudding it sounds delicious. Yeah, not sure. Uh, in the comments, mac and cheese sounds better. Leonidas Review says, get the cheese from Kraft Dinner. So that's what they did. And of course, our friend Absolutely. Dan in Baltimore, who we met at the book event there. We all know Joe and Doug love bourbon flavored coffee. Paul and I party with Dan. Remember Dan from yeah. from uh, from that that uh, going to the oyster place? We had soft, mm, yes. soft shoe crab. Yeah. Yeah. That place had some, had some great food. And then Rick says, uh, doesn't... Uh, bourbon flavored coffee defeats the purpose of coffee. <laughs> we just let him fight it out, Rick. That's what we do. We let him fight it out. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even. When he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly, Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org/celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.